Alright folks, welcome back to another episode of that paranormal podcast you often like to listen to and enjoy with Machu and Ray, that show known as Mostly Ghostly. How's everybody doing out there? We hope everybody's great. Ray, how you doing over there? Good, good. You? I'm doing pretty good. I'm trying to ascend. I'm trying to ascend to a better place, you know what I mean? Spiritually, you know, uh, as always. Not that I'm in a bad place, it's just you can always ascend further. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do a play on what we're going to talk about in our theme this evening. We will be talking about those those masters that have ascended, you know what I mean? The ascended ones. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody out there has, you know, heard somebody... Uh, uh, say the ascended masters. I know I have, and uh, in this episode, you know, I know Ray's a little more in tune than I am. I believe Ray is an ascended master. He is to me, at least, always and forever. Um, but with this episode, we're going to dive into this and kind of see, you know, who they are and how they can help us, how they came about, you know, all that, all that uh, eye-opening, you know, fact-finding, research-given. Um, what me and, me and Ray know from our minds from the time that we record the episode type situation, you know, you know, what you've, what you've come to custom to love with the, with your, 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 your pals, your ghostly pals that mostly ghostly, right? So Ray, uh, you know, you being more in tune with this stuff than I am, you want to give a little, you know, opening up to the show, a little brief description of the ascended masters and what we're about to dive into today well currently the belief in the ascended masters is um they are people who have uh the ascension part is usually that they have passed on the other side they have reached a higher level of development in spirit and they are available to help us and guide us along um, different cultures name different ones. Um, it first became in a large scale. It ver- first became very popular in the late 1800s. Uh, Madame Blavatsky yep. published her uh, Secret Doctrine. It were 12 volumes. Um, I think about 45 years ago, I had it. I gave it away to somebody, which I kind of regret. <laughs> And at that time, they were not called the Ascended Masters. They were called the Wisdom Masters or the Masters of Wisdom. It was the early 1900s where some people in this country uh, changed the name to Ascended Masters. They claimed to be channeling them. And the number went up from a very few to now there are hundreds of them. Hmm. And they support, they uh, claim to be, to this day, certain people channeling their wisdom. Hmm. But Ascended Master could be uh, anything, uh, and a lot of it is bar- borrowed from other cultures. Um, if you go over to the Far East, uh, many consider Buddha an Ascended Master. Right. Um, there are others also over time, particularly in this country. Um, Jesus was claimed to be an Ascended Master. And more recently, I'd say within the last 20 to 30 years with the New Age movement, they changed the name to Sanander instead of saying Jesus. So is it more of like the, the, the kind of the main figure points of religions or kind of these 
ascended masters of, of, of their, you know, craft, for, for lack of a better word? Uh, central point of, of different religious beliefs, also culture, cultural beliefs and people who were, they may not be the central point of a religion, but they were people that were very wise and helped others while they worked the earth and they continue to do so from the other side. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they are, you know, they're those who were once human, like all of us, you know what I mean? But they paid off all their karmic debt uh, and mastered the ascension. They no longer have physical body, but unlike other spiritual beings like spirit guides or angels, they once had, uh, they once had one and can relate to the frustrations of the karmic cycle. So it's kind of like an angelic, enlightened person that is, you know, they've been here before, so in a way, so they know our... They know our emotions and what we deal with, but they're enlightened. They're higher than us, you know what I mean? Well, they don't, they don't deal with that anymore. They've risen above it. Yeah. And in that, in that way, it, they can imp- impartially guide us along our path because they're not subject to the, the uh, emotions and the uh, stresses that we put on ourselves. Right. Have you ever seen the film Wings of Destiny? I think it is by Wim Wenders, uh, Criterion Collection released it. And um, it's a, that's kind of like what that is. Or it's almost like an, like an angel with dirty wings type vibe where it makes an angel very human, you know what I mean? Um, which, you know, there is, a, you know, uh, often when you, when, when, as a kid, when you grow up as a kid and you see angel, what you assume, or at least what I always assumed is angels were just people that died and they 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 went to heaven now they're angels that's what I always assumed, but this is this this other thing that we're talking about today is letting you know there's a difference between that you know what I mean um, we've talked about this in various forms kind of throughout you know we also talk about the the kind of crossover of how the how the angels you know look at humans you know there's almost like a weird I feel there's almost like a weird maybe jealousy there maybe jealousy is the wrong word. But a fact that they they're servants and they're servers to God, and you look at humanity where God gave everything to humanity, and these servers are they almost you know you know they, it's almost a slap in their face to a degree if you you could look at it to a degree of it being a slap in the face, you know what I mean well in many ancient writings um when Lucifer, who originally was an archangel um Lucille the morning star, he was the morning star. Right. Um, his sin was that um, he would not, he was jealous of people. Mm. He he would not bow down or help to them. He thought that uh, in one sense, they're a little better than monkeys, but uh, he was, he said, no, 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 no. I'm not serving your creation. Yeah. And that was, that was part of the conflict there with the divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that film was Wings of Desire from 1987. Um, very cool film. One of the most I, I we were kind of we, we work in films, so we could bring up film real quick. I recommend this film. It's this is kind of like along the lines of, but it's fictional. It's Hollywoodized. You know, it's indie art house, but it's still you know fictionalized for the screen. Um, and there's a moment in there of an angel who wants to help somebody who can't. And it's probably one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen on film, the way that he reacts to not being able to help that person out. Um, but back into this, you know, I, I find it very interesting with the line right there, because like I said, uh, coming up as a child, 
I always assumed angels. I the, I never assumed angels to be their own entity. I figured it was all when all these people, there's been so many people on this earth that when they die, it's almost like you join, you go up and you join, you know, that's just it. That's it. You know, like the, the new, you know, I, my take as uh, it, it, them being so old is, you know, there's always been people dying, you know what I mean? But the, the angel, the take that I've kind of got more into learning with this is that they're more of a, they're more, they're the army of God, so to speak, that was there beforehand. And it's not so much you die and you become, it's uh, they're there, you know. What's the whole take? What's your take on people becoming angels? Is that? Uh, the angel is a separate entity. Yeah. Uh, was around long before mankind was. The closest you could get to uh, becoming an angel would be an ascended master. Okay. Um. Yeah, that that would that would be the that would be the closest. As a kid, when you were more naive to these things, did did you have that belief too that angels were just people that died? Or am I? Uh, I no. I feel, but uh, no, they were separate from people. To me, the closest thing to an an angel, as far as a person dying would be what uh, uh, many religions call a saint. Mm. You've always been a little more spiritual, I guess, than myself, than Matu, than Matu, but that's okay. I take no shame in saying that as a kid, I thought angels were just dead people. You know what I mean? Well, the, uh, well one thing is I started getting my religious training. I went to uh, a religious school in kindergarten. Yeah. And then when I graduated, I went to a religious uh, high school. <laughs> and when I graduated from there, I went to a religious college. <laughs> yeah, so you're, you're, uh, you're ultra-religious. Not so much, but ultra-spiritual, you know. I well, just... I, I, I got my indoctrination, if you want to, want to put it that way. But yeah, I got my, uh, my mind opened up. And the interesting thing about that was that each level, when, uh, like in high school... They kind of reworked and let let you open to more things than you got as a child. So that was kind of like um, that was kind of like uh, you're kind of okay, a little bit older now, so you can grasp more. Yeah. And when you went to went to college, then that was a case of they didn't call it religious training anymore. It was now theology, and almost everything was open to debate. And you started digging a lot deeper, which obviously, let's say someone in the fifth grade uh, is not ready for right? Or, or able to comprehend. So it was an interesting journey. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things. It's, you know, I was just more of a Sunday and occasionally on Wednesday nights would do a youth group thing. But it wasn't uh, like a lot of people that just casually go to church. It wasn't a lot of questions being asked. It's more of just kind of a... It's more of a duty almost, you know what I mean? Much like everything, I think it's that way. You know, like with reading, too, I'll talk to, you know, my, my nephew and such. I enjoy reading now, and I'll talk talk to him about reading. And it's like, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really like reading because you have to do it. And when you get older and you do it out of pleasure, it's, that's when you enjoy it. I think that's kind of like the religion thing, too. Like, when you have to do it, you're not going to get down with it. 
But like when you find a use for it in your life as you grow up, you know what I mean? You find it fitting into your equation that way. That's like when you would approach, uh, approach it you know the right time what do you what do you think you think kids being forced to go to church and all this is like a bad thing for it where they just turn it off in their head what's your take on that it is for some i know that like uh my granddaughter granddaughter who i was with yesterday and she loves talking about uh religion about god and prayer and i asked her her favorite part um and she says just being in church Hmm. when it's quiet and she can talk to god now, I flashed back, now she's seven years old, I flashed back when I was young, and they used to keep churches open. They didn't lock everything up. And there were times that I would just go into church for the peace, for the quiet, sit and talk to God. Right. Now, for me, it was never a chore. It was something which um, I was drawn to. Actually, at one point, I considered going into the priesthood. Um, I was raised Catholic, but they show a difference between, let's say, someone who is forced to go to church. Uh, the parish I was in was a French parish. And like the school I went to was La Colle de Sacre Coeur, the Sacred Heart Church. I'm Sacred Heart School. I went to Sacred Heart Church. They had the masses in French. When I became an altar boy, I learned a mass in French. My parents, when I was 10 years old, they moved through, uh, they moved out of there. The next church I went to, everything was being said in Latin. Okay. I became an altar boy again and relearned both the regular and the high mass in Latin. And before I got too old later on was when they switched everything to English. Yeah. So instead of leaving, I learned both the regular and the high mass in English. And it was a short period of time where I could assist the priest and say the mass in French, Latin, and English, which would me was okay. It was just all, all a form of worship. I loved it. What do you think, what do you think pulled you so close to that spiritual side from like a young age? Um, I was always, I would like go out in, into the, the um, I lived about a block away from a wooded or forest area. It was big enough so that at uh, certain seasons people would hunt in there. It was kind of the wild, so to speak. And I would love to go out there in the solitude and pray and talk to God there. I just always saw God in everything and always knew that uh, the divine was there. And later on in life... Um, if you take, uh, I do have some Micmac blood. Locally, I was adopted by a different tribe and immersed myself in their practices because I could see the divine reaching out to them in their, in their way. But I could see that it was there. Um, when I was young, I had many Jewish friends, became absolutely fascinated because uh, Christianity came from Judaism. Yeah. And everything evolved there. I'd actually have been to a temple on several occasions. And so with me, it's always been a quest to find my path and explore paths, continually trying to get closer to the divine, close, closer to what, I don't know, just pulls at my heart anyways. Right. It's always been there since even as, as a little kid. 
it's a calling, you know. Like we said before, that everybody should be spiritual. Uh, no matter how late in the game you think it may be, it's never too late to get in tune. You know what I mean? Tune up that instrument. Um, you may have encountered the term ascended masters while learning about energy healing, you know, archangels or other spiritual matters. But, uh, you know, ascending masters are high vibrational enlightened beings of love and light. They are the highest evolved beings in the spiritual hierarchy, uh, surpassing guardian angels and spirit guides. You know, a lot of things we've talked about on the show before. And uh, one of these days we'll have to do a big, gigantic breakdown of all these spiritual entities. Because like I've said before, as a kid and as I evolved, um, it went from angels to, you know, I think a lot of people out there might have their mind rocked a little bit by uh, categorizing all these different entities, you know what I mean? So that could be fun. But who are these ascended masters that we speak of the most, Ray? You know what I mean? <clears throat> We're talking about Jesus, the Mother Mary, Buddha, St. Francis, Vishnu, St. Germain, and the list goes on and on and on, you know what I mean? As Ray said, if you get to experience a connection to one of these ascended masters, it will be a life-changing experience, you know what I mean? And like I said before, I think it's all of them. These ascended masters are kind of the creme de la creme of their respected beliefs, you know what I mean? They're always, uh, there's a god, and then there's usually some people right underneath them that show you the way to God, if you will. You know, and there's people on beneath them and beneath them and beneath them and beneath them. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's just one of those deals, you know. But uh, the roles of different masters may be varied, um, but their purposes are the same, assisting humanity on our own, you know, spiritual ascension and to increase our awareness of the spiritual forces that permeate the universe, you know what I mean? Um, Rhino Bray is very big on the spirit guide, but this is different than a spirit guide. Now, do you think that an ascended master, it, it, would they ju be just as easy to kind of contact than, than, a, than, a, than a, like a spirit guide? Or is this something they're higher up on their, they're, they're real high up on the hierarchy, it was saying, right, of the spiritual deal? Well, when you're talking about vibrational issues and the ascended masters, it does probably... I would say it requires some clearing of issues you have and raising your energy level so that you can receive the messages and understand. It's not that they're distanced from on purpose saying, oh, you're not good enough. They want to help. Yeah. And they will, they will in, in subtle ways. But the higher you raise your vibration and the more you clear out of yourself, the closer you become to them and the easier it is to communicate or receive guidance from them. Now, as far as all the religions go, you know, are, are all of those head figures, are they all people that you can just pray to and, and, and talk to, if you will? Like, I know you come with Jesus and all that, but, like, um, are there any religions that, are, that you can't, you're not allowed to, or you have to reach a certain heightened state to be able to communicate with, you know what I mean? I know what you mean. I, I would say it's not so much the religion or the belief system. Mm-hmm. It's more the institution. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Um, once the belief system becomes a re set religion, and once you have people who are controlling or spreading that, like any, and it becomes an institution, all institutions are self-perpetuating, the human part of that, um, they see themselves as more important then, 
and they stop controlling. And that's where I have a problem with a lot of established religions is that I am very, in many ways, I'm very Gnostic. Um, that's a different uh, way of believing. Gnosticism basically says that if you reach out to the divine, don't be surprised when the divine reaches back to you. See, it, believes, a- it believes that there is nothing between you and the divine. It doesn't have to be. You don't need a priest. You don't need a rabbi. You don't need anybody. Because a spark of that divine lives within you, and you're reconnecting from the source you came from. Right. So you don't, you don't need somebody to say, do it this way, do it that way. It, what it takes is you genuinely wanting to and reaching out. Well, they, they also say the same about the darkness as well, don't they? Don't go looking for it, you'll find it. They say that it's one of those things. Oh, yeah. I guess don't go looking for anything. In, or you, or you, you might find it for good or bad, you know. Um, well, whether you realize it or not, uh, you too are an ascendant master in the making. You know, and that's what people, you know, people don't don't uh, they 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 don't have the confidence to comprehend and know that they can be such an enlightened thing. And you know, greatness. I try and tell people that all the time. You know, greatness is within everybody. It's just a matter of unlocking it. Uh, people have the ability to ascend to the highest level, you know what I mean? But it can only be achieved through many challenges, positive life choices, rebirths, and lessons. Now, that sounds like a lot of work that I don't know if people are ready to sign up for, Ray. What do you think? Well, it is work because we have created different layers and barriers between us and the divine and uh, or the ascended masters, uh, being specific there. In that we've attached ourselves to this planet, we've attached ourselves to goods, we've gone through, we have emotional attachments, ups and downs, and we've built up all these barriers that isolated us, and we've forgotten where we came from, and what our essence is. And we have to start clearing all of that out, so that we can tune ourselves, again, vibrations, uh, get again in tune with what we really are. Um, I call it the God DNA. If the if the divine created the entire universe and we're part of the universe, then part of that divine is in us as well. And we have to forego, put aside all of this physical nonsense that we have and reach out to that and try and reconnect with the source we came from. I'm with you. You know, like I said before, I, I feel God's one big energy. I think that all these different... You know, denominations of these, these churches and religions and such. I think they're all the God body, if you will, is one big energy. It's all the same thing. I think people have different names for it and all that type vibe, but it all goes back to the positive energy and the negative energy. You know what I mean? That's my take. Um, you know, but yeah, with this, you know, it's a lot of stuff to do, but if you want it, you got to work for it. You don't want that promotion, you got to work for it. You want to fit into that bathing suit, you got to work for it. You know what I mean? So much like everything. So, uh, yeah, a lot of changes and all that would have to be done, but you're, you're, you're fighting for a, a glorious goal, and you don't have to go for it. This is only if you want it, you know? Each uh, ascended master has completed many lifetimes uh, of experience on Earth and has undergone a series of spiritual transformation, which can also be called a rebirth. You know what I mean? So multiple lifetimes, you know, they probably came, been around the, the sun, many moons, you know, they probably got to walk in different shoes, 
being the bottom of the pile, being the top of the pile, fully appreciating and understanding life and all its mysteries, you know what I mean? Um, when it gets in the rebirth, you know what I mean? It, I, I, I feel like a rebirth doesn't exactly need to be an actual dying and re-being born. I think it's a, a clarity, you know what I mean? Um, whether you're just realizing there's something in your life that you don't like about yourself or don't agree with doing it and you just decide to change that thing. I also consider that a rebirth and, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So it's one of those deals where rebirth is kind of a, well, I guess any female would tell you that's had a baby will tell you rebirth, birth ain't quick. It can, it can take time. You know what I mean? But for the most part, rebirth comes off as a very immediate thing where it doesn't exactly have to be. You know what I mean? What's your take? I agree. It, it's uh, accepting your path, your spiritual path, and it's getting rid of uh, your human frailties and your human attachments and being reborn into a higher state. Now, there are some, and there's in some parts of the world, they believe you can be ascended and still walk the earth. Um, you don't have to uh, be in spirit. And that's, that's a completely different thing. But, um, yeah, it's in a shamanic tr tradition, um, you go through the symbolic death of the self to be able to connect with spirit. You think that, so, you think that yeah. Yeah, so re re rebirth has many interpretations, but it also includes uh, being alive, working on yourself, discarding uh, negative traits, uh, negative thinking, and becoming and becoming and aligning yourself with spirit. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Through the process of personal growth, self-awareness, making intentional and uh, consistent positive choices in the face of difficulty and using uh, their will to override their human DNA's negative expression, you know, such as anger, fear, disease, you know, depression, um, jealousy, bitterness, all that stuff. They achieve what is called self-mastery, you know what I mean, where they've mastered their self. Um, you know what I mean? Which is, I think uh, people can do this. Uh, you know, I don't think you need to be fully ascend an ascended one to be able to ascend and master to find peace uh, and self mastery. You know what I mean? But I do think that in the realm of this to die in this plane with everything on the straight and narrow of you being self centered, you know, centered, you know, you be centered as a person, uh, you know what I mean? And the self mastery, uh, master oneself. I feel like that that's probably the first step. And, you know, when it says you live multiple lives, uh, I feel like you need to, by the end of that life, maybe not the first one, but by the end of the other ones, you need to probably be at the best place possible for probably even the first one. You probably have to be at the best place. If you're, if we're talking about becoming an ascended master, you know, but then again, everybody can, as, as it says, and, so if you want it, you just got to work harder, I guess. If, you, if you're not quite made for that position, then you have to kind of chisel yourself out, out to be something that'll fit that mold. What do you think? Well, we also, uh, everybody lives multiple lives, even though they're not aware of it. Um, and I'm not talking reincarnation. Someone is different with a spouse, a wife, or a loved one than they are with a child. They are a different person in work where they might be ambitious and aggressive. They're a different person when, uh, when out, out with their friends and, you know, they're raising a little hell or something. They have different aspects to their personality. 
And they are, in fact, different lives that they live while in this human form. And uh, if you go to the point of cleansing, then what happens is you become more of that one person in all those different situations. In other words, you're not, you're not a radically different person with the way you behave with a loved one, with the way you behave at work, with it. You become yourself. Yeah. And that, that comes out. And that can also, the cleansing can be simple. You get, um, angry with somebody and just stopping and saying, where does this anger come from? What is it that drives me to be angry? And you examine it and you let it go so that you stop becoming angry. So you stop having that negative reaction. And instead of lashing out at someone, you either walk away or ultimately you help the person, even if they angered you. And that is part of your ascension, going through those transformations and going to the point of being able to um, change things in a positive way so that everything falls in line with your spiritual path, with your growth. So it's more of like a reflection and understanding than it is than like a holiness, you know what I mean? It's more of a kind of understanding why you do things and being able to, instead of jump off the handle and get angry, to take a moment and go, well, why, why, am, why am I reacting this way? You know what I mean? Which is more of a, it's more psychological than, you know what I mean? It's all, well, it's that spiritual to it too, but it's more, uh, more of a almost, psychological spiritual element that it is than like a holier you know presence you know what i mean well you're not holier than a person it's a contemplative way of living well the such a holy situation rather like it's more of a this is more of almost self-help than it is you know what i mean um like a god like trying to extend this is more of like a more you uh, somebody trying to get you know completely enlightened and extended to the highest depths of of whatever this is uh well i guess it's all ground floor stuff but it's pretty much just self-help stuff which i think okay. a lot of, yeah i think a lot of I think of a lot of i think a lot of re- religious aspects from all different walks is uh self-help self-help and just kind of the understanding of one is huge within you know what i mean because you need that inner peace first of all well, you need, you need that inner peace. And once you've gotten rid of all of uh, the anger or automatic responses, uh, which you may not be comfortable with, the uh, someone's in a situation and afterwards they're saying, why did I say that? Why did I do that? Et cetera. Uh, once you get rid of that negative and that questioning, that opens you up so that you can receive the guidance. You can receive the wisdom. You can receive the, the light. Yeah. It opens you up more. And as you do that, you're not really seeking ascension. You're simply trying to find yourself. Mm. And what happens as a byproduct is once you do find yourself and you get in touch with your spiritual self, then suddenly you're looking at things from a different level, from a different perspective. And without trying or seeking, you are in fact ascending. It's almost like a window effect where like you're on one side of the window and you you know, happiness or uh, God or whatever you want to will would be on the other side of it. You know what I mean? And it's a dirty window. So the more that you clean it up and, you know, you know, pull these things out of yourself and not have to 
you know, come to come to grips with them and, you know, let them go, let them drift away. They're no longer holding you down type deal. The more dirt comes off the window and the more you can see uh, happiness or, you know, however you want to intake, you know, the positive thing, you know what I mean? Well, you, using that window analogy, if you're on the dirty side of the window, once you have it clean and you look in and going back to the Gnostic uh, point of view, uh, when you reach out to God, God reaches back. Once you once you can see clearly through the window, then what's on the other side unlocks the window and lets you in. But you've got to see it first, and that takes the self cleansing. You got to clean that window. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's a cont- continue evolution, you know, of spirituality. And then with the passing, like I don't, when you said the thing, I think you know when you pass, I feel like you would get enlightened to that upper plane. What was your take on people thinking that they could be ascended masters while being, you know, human physical form? Which th- I know you said a little bit about that, and I know that's what other people believe. So we're not going to get too crazy if we don't vibe with that. Like I almost vibe with anybody telling me that there's some ex- extended uh, extended being while they're alive. I I, I think people can be. Uh, you know, can be very welcoming to certain things and almost be used people messages and come through. But anybody acting like they're too high, too, too enlightened, I think's a problem. What do you think? Uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> well, I think, I think one of the things you have to get rid of, which would automatically mean you, you don't go around saying you're ascended master. Mm. One of the things you have to get rid of is ego. And once you get rid of the ego, you are not going to go around and say, oh, I am this. It's That's not going to happen. You're simply going to be. I mean, if someone were to, while he were alive, um, ask the Buddha, um, he would not claim to be, he did not claim to be a master. He did not claim to be enlightened. He just taught. Very humble. Um, if you talk about, to use uh, Christian uh, those who believe that Jesus is an ascended master, if you look at his life, he was very humble. He taught. He walked among the people. Uh, he lived off charity. Um, he didn't go around and uh, browbeat people into accepting who he was. He put it out there. And most yeah. of the time, in a very humble way. So I think that as, as soon as someone is saying, I am the ultimate, be suspicious. Because... Um, Ego is a major thing that drives a lot of the other things we have to clear out. And ego ego is something we have to start to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I've, I've, I, ego is a big problem with it, with it, with everything. You know what I mean? That's how you get uh, cult leaders and Adolf Hitlers and all types of crazy, uh, you know, politicians and all those, cra- all those crazy, terrible things floating out there. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I know we got there's, there's 22 ascended masters um, that they kind of, you know, pinpoint, if you will. So I thought it'd be kind of, you know, cool to roll through them for a little bit. The, the ascended the masters and the roles that they play. But uh, it's all, it's important that, you know, there's three concepts that explain who and what makes them all unique. You know what I mean? Um, there's three very important things that play into consideration. One being karma. Two reincarnation and three ascension um you know we'll we'll start from the get-go on that real quick uh we have karma you know the car the term karma 
it's made into the mainstream. Everybody knows it, you know, good vibes, you know what I mean? Uh, but not everyone understands what it really means and how to deal with karma. Uh, many of the world's religious teach the law of karma in some form. Uh, Sikhis uh, and Jains, esoteric Christians and Kabbalists, Jews, to name a few. It is also a core concept in, in Buddhism and Hinduism. The law of Kama believes that all major events in our life are predestined. Every positive deed we do generates a merit, while every negative deed results in a demerit. Bad actions will subsequently require uh, some form of payment or punishment. You know what I mean? Karma also tells us that what happens to us in the present is an effect of causes which we have set in motion in the past, whether several minutes, hours, days, or three lifetimes ago. Uh, It's like saying you reap what you sow. You know what I mean? Uh, one of those deals, whatever you do, you know, will come back on you. You know, it's one of those, one of those things, the full circle, uh, the doorstep, you know what I mean? Everything comes back to your doorstep. Uh, don't, you know, all those, those things. So the karma thing, karma is a, a thing. It's at different points in my life. I've, I've, I've believed in different things and more in a more cynical time in my life. I've believed that karma wasn't real and that people were just allowed to run amok and, Karma is just pretty much good people trying to have say, don't worry, you'll be there'll be a better day. That was my take on it. But as I get older, I do vibe with the fact that I do think karma is real. Uh, you know what I mean? I do think that if you put good into the world, that it'll come back for you. Um, and, you know, you got to also, you know, understand you putting good in the world is good in itself. You know what I mean? You're paying it forward. Your good that you're doing in the world is making somebody else's life better. So maybe they did something and it's all going back on and one of those things. In the same light, I also feel that, you know, with the the demerit type situation where if, you know, if you do a lot of real bad things, I think that marks against you too. Um, In the same way where we talk about, you know, people that do terrible things to other people that don't get, you know, caught or you know um you know don't don't get their fair punishment for what they've done i feel like those folks uh do have to pay for that and answer to that eventually so i can't i i do i i do i am kind of a man that believes in the karma system nowadays where back in the day i didn't and that's not to say i was running around being a demon that's just saying i've seen so much uh darkness uh, within the world and the dark pe- people doing dark things, excelling that I just kind of gave up a little uh, hope on a karma deal because it, it, it would appear that it would appear that even the, 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 the bad um, reigns supreme, if you will, regardless, because the good will always get stomped out. That was kind of my take, but I guess I've softened up and got more brighter in my later years, if you will, where I, you know, I, I, you know, the, the, that side's still there, of course, but there's a bright side as well. What's your take? Well, I think also, if you're talking about ascension, karma has a lot to do with uh, your, your personal life. What you have done, you done that separates you from spirit. What you have done that is negative. Your karma is that you may be, for instance, reborn to undo that. Mm-hmm. to correct it, to uh, 
do the good that corrects the situation within you as well as uh, two other people around you. Yeah. And you keep you keep being reborn until you figure it out and you correct it. Mm-hmm. And that 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 that's the karma. I've I've always in an interesting thing about reincarnation, I thought where someone has to learn a lesson. I have this uh little scenario I came up with in my head that's uh is that you die, you see the you see the light, you see the beauty, you feel it, you feel the love, and you go wow and this is incredible and then all of a sudden in your essence you hear a voice say okay go back and figure it out and the next thing you're being born again because you didn't get it the first time yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. you have you have a hint that it's there and if you can hold on to that then you correct you can work to correct within yourself everything that you did and everything that you thought and felt that held you back from ascending. It's true. I, I, I vibe with that. That could be an interesting take for it. Self-mastery is about stepping off that karmic wheel. Deciding not to do unto others that has been done unto you. But instead to forgive and radiate compassion and grace to those who do bad things. So it's more of that, you know, hug, hug the person while they're headbutting your face type situation. You should also know that after, you know, you should be smart about these things too. Don't blindly walk into bad things thinking that you're going to, that you're doing good or going to get karma points. Masters know that we are all connected. You know what I mean? And the negative situations are a required aspect of personal growth, you know. So when you come across a situation that's terrible in life, don't feel like you're just getting hammered on or whatever. Just think that, uh, take that as, you know, growth. You know what I mean? Everybody got to, you know, it's one of those things, I guess. Um, and accept the opportunity with a big old smile on your face. Um, so therefore, there, uh, there's never anyone to blame in any situation is what they're going for. Instead, masters are grateful for the opportunity uh, represented by the challenge as it gives them a chance to rise to the next level without challenges. It is impossible to achieve uh, self mastery or become an ascended master. This is not to say that those on the journey of self mastery or even masters themselves do not experience their own intense negative emotions. The difference is that masters choose to, one, turn inward and face their intense emotions. Two, never use their uh, destructive desires to hurt anything or anyone. And three, purify their negative emotions in order to raise the vibrations of their bodies. What do you think about those three things, Ray? I agree. Um, it, It goes back to rooting out in you. Everything that is not good, everything that is not love and compassion, yeah. questioning yourself, uh, working on it. And uh, when you do that and you no longer have the ego, you no longer have that knee-jerk reaction, you're no longer angry, what's left is that compassion and that love. And when you are doing that, when you're giving that... Um, you are raising yourself to the same vibration or level of spirit. And it's, and so that now you are spreading that, not just by saying, I love you or treating someone nicely, 
but on an energetic level, the people are feeling it and the people are responding to it. It's like a more of a be the better person, be the bigger person type situation. Self-mastery is about choosing to feel compassion, forgiveness, tolerance, wisdom, and grace when the situation you are presented would make most people act out in a negative fashion. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of self-control, you know what I mean? Um, Which is easier said than done, of course. I think that's why they give it such a crown, you know what I mean, of of, of people learning how to master self-control when we're all a big bag of emotions, different emotions going in all different directions at all times, I feel. So for you to be able to kind of put your body in check and your mind in check and really kind of get your tool finally, your, your, your instrument finally tuned, you know what I mean? Your, your tool finally sharpened, I think uh, that's the deal. But uh, karma, you know, goes hand in hand with reincarnation. And with that being said, um, while karma refers to accountability, reincarnation embodies opportunity. It is another chance to make good in order to pay the karmic debt we owe others. Reincarnation is a belief that after you die, your soul is reborn into another body. Souls can reincarnate through multiple lifetimes. The purpose of reincarnation is to continue the evolution of the soul towards enlightenment or return to one's uh, to oneness with God, spirit, or source energy. Ascended masters are souls who finished the reincarnation cycle and do all their work in a higher dimension. Their souls are no longer compelled to inc- to incarnate, but to us, but to do so anyway to teach, heal, and raise the vibration of humanity. So I know that you're a big fan and supporter of the reincarnation thing, Ray. And I, I, I'm I'm a little middle of the road on it, you know what I mean? Um, there's different elements to it I can, you know, get down with. But with this right here, the reincarnation deal, you know, do you feel, I think we've talked about this before, where you feel that somebody could become ascended, an ascended master off of just one single go around at life or... You think you feel that's possible, right? Yes, I do. I feel that's possible. I also feel that uh, they may choose to come back and help others. One uh, example that you could use is the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. And when the current Dalai Lama passes, um, he will be reborn into a child to continue the work. It's a soul that chooses to come back. Yeah over and over again to help spread that compassion and that love and that brotherhood. Uh, that That's the simplest example of one I can give. Um, though the Dalai Lama would never say they're an ascended master because humility goes along with it. People having that choice really kind of throw a monkey wrench in the heaven and hell thing and the judgment thing, though, don't, don't you think? It does a little bit, but... Uh, despite what some people think, if you look at some of the old writings in Judaism, um, there are mentions uh, mentions of someone coming back. Um, it even pops up in the New Testament one time when Jesus um, asked some of the apostles, who do, who do you think I am? I think uh, one of them says, you are Elijah who has come back. And then another one 
um, uses another prophet's name, and that they would not say that if reincarnation was not a viable option for those prophets to come back and to teach again. So it was part of also in the Kabbalah, the mystical part of Judaism. You have the uh, the soul has the choice to come back to continue doing good work. That was all kind of uh, discarded with Christianity. They they threw out the reincarnation aspect of it, mm-hmm. or a soul choosing choosing to come back and made it simply heaven or hell. Why do you think they'd want to do that? Um, I think that over time. Uh, again, if we talk about an institution, an institution which, if you look at the cultures of the time, you look at the end of the, uh, and you, let's say you look at the Dark Ages, Middle Ages, etc. Uh, going back in that time, if you wanted to control somebody, you did it by fear. Right. And so it's kind of like, do this or you burn in hell. Do this or you will burn in hell. If you do this, you get a reward. And it's, it's kind of like um, they're treating adults that the upper class there that were the educated were treating the, the common people who for the most part that were not educated uh, or couldn't even write, read or write, they were treating them much like children. Yeah. You, do, you do that, you get spanked. You know, you're, you're a good child and I'll give you a dessert for dinner. Except they called it heaven and hell. Right. No, it's true. You know, and this reincarnation thing is trying to almost say that reincarnation is only for bad people that need to come back and be good. You know, but you're stating that you've, you also feel that you can be a good person that just wants to come back. I think they kind of say you can do that too, but um, yeah, there's the yin and the yang. You know, the, the it that really does kind of throw a monkey wrench in because if you were bad, realistically, you would supposedly have to go to hell. You know what I mean? But this kind of gives you another run at it. So even if you're not holy, you, it's, it's, it's almost like you're still offered that opportunity, you know what I mean? Which is a little weird, you know what I mean? What's your take? you think you have to be on that route to be able to be offered reincarnation? Or do you think that you could just not believe and just go through life, die, and that be offered to you and you choose to take another run at it and try and be good? I think you can. You, it can be offered, and in, in you choose if you're basically a good soul. I think that for me, okay, for instance, um, Hitler, right? Hell, hell for Hitler would have been reincarnated as a Jew. No, I, I think um, to to even go deeper into that, I think the hell for Hitler was probably his hell is probably living out every Jew that had to die. You know what I mean? And it's not like lifetimes, I feel. I think it's like you you wake up in you wake up in the camp and then you prob like the day they stepped in that camp and it just you know what I mean, and the starving and all that terrible stuff started happening to them. Like you have to, and they start when they you know, get the gas from what I hear, the gassing, not to be morbid, but the gassing was almost like the better way to go. When they just starve people, just starve starve them till they died and stuff, which is incredibly painful. Um, I think he's almost that. Where I don't know if you would you would be born reborn into like a child, like a, a Jewish child, and growing up. I think it'd almost be like you would be you would wake up out of a dream, almost like a dreamlike thing, 
where the best way for me to think of it is almost like anybody out there ever seen the Twilight Zone movie. There was a scene where there's a dude gets, he's a racist guy who gets caught in the, the Twilight Zone. And he goes into it. First, he's like down south and there's racist people hunting him. And he's like a black gentleman and they get him and they kill him. And when he dies, he like when he dies, he wakes up in a, as a Jew running away from the Germans. You know what I mean? And it's like one of those things where you can, can when you die, you just continue to wake up in a terrible situation. I almost feel like that would be what it'd be like for him. Like, cause not, not so much the being born and just living a life, unless that person's life was hell from, from the get-go, which, you know, unfortunately there are people that are born the first day is a living hell until the day they die. And when I mean a living hell, I mean, you know, I don't mean not getting cell service, you know what I mean? Not getting your three bars or whatever to get, get on Facebook. I mean like real hell, like hell on earth, terrible stuff. Um, which is another reason, like the fact that that happened, it, it, it's crazy with the yin and the yang of it's like, you know, for somebody that's born in the greatest world, ever there's someone born into the worst world ever you know what i mean all within the same world but just different lifestyles the beauty of life right right i also think like to, to me an interesting thing is that uh i'll use the hitler example yeah is that um okay there was someone that dev- uh survived the concentration camps yeah and immediately after the war uh, they become pregnant and have a child. Yeah. Now that child is born into the post-war world, not decades later, immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. And they hear the stories from their parents. Maybe they go, they see what had happened there. They still experience it because there was a lot of prejudice. Many wanted to go back to Israel, but couldn't because it was Palestinian yeah. run. So basically they're born as a Jew into a world full of prejudice they've shown they're shown what had happened and by what had happened if it were hitler himself what hitler did to others by seeing the camps and knowing everything and hearing the stories and everything about it and then as they grow and they seek freedom constantly being denied they're experiencing what they dished out right and i think at that point there, it would be an option for the soul to get rid of the bitterness and anger over what had happened and to try and create something better. And that would be, uh, that would be one hell of a, pardon that word, one, one, uh, one hell of a jump or transformation to be able to do that under those circumstances. For sure. For sure. It's one of those, you know, it's weird. It's very interesting stuff. You know what I mean? Because who's to say what? You know what I mean? Um, but ascension. You know what I mean? Um, ascension is somewhat similar to the Eastern concept of enlightenment uh, introduced in Buddhism. It is the path of those who are actively choosing to evolve into a higher consciousness. Um, part of uh, ascension is opening your heart to reunite with all layers of your higher self and, of course, with the source energy. It does not happen on a certain date or that we uh, unknowingly stumble into it. It is through expanded awareness and it happens incrementally. So this is, you know, over a process of time, you know, different increments is when uh, this goes down. But this is not to say that you are a god, Uh, of course not, but you are a divine human. 
a human, a spark of God, and ascension returns you to your true divine nature. Now, see, I'm a big believer in the fact that God's within everybody, that positive energy. I also think there's a little bit of that bad energy in people as well. Um, but I think it's all a, a quite a, a, a magnificent mixture um, of these things, you know. What do you think? You think we've got both bad and good within us, like a battery? Uh, positive, positive and negative. Like I a think vaccine. Would... Like a vaccine <laughs> shot. <laughs> uh, I would say that we are born with the positive. We acquired the negative. That's good. You think the negative is uh, the brought on by the negative energy around us that, 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 that darkens our light, be it terrible situations? I think so, yes. It's, it's brought on by the darkness, and our thing is to overcome that darkness with light, to drive out the darkness with light. Yeah, we were having a conversation. You know, human, humans, they're all, they're all born the same way. So, you know, you take somebody like an Adolf Hitler, you know what I mean, the evil man that he is. You know, he started off as just an innocent kid at one point, and what happened to him and how he was taught and all that is kind of what made him the monster that he became. And that's not justifying what he did. That's just saying that you got to be careful because that could always happen again. You know what I mean? So you always, you know, you never can, you never can tell with stuff like that. Um, so who's to say, I wonder what Adolf was. The, if we were, if we were going from this reincarnation, what type of person would be reincarnated into a young Adolf Hitler, right? What's your take on that? Um. Well, that could also be the punishment aspect. Really? Yes. Someone is forced to live again their worst nightmare. Do again what they did before with the chance that they could change it. But they, they don't. So they're repeating the cycle. And they'll repeat lives until they break the cycle. Now, Hitler had a multitude of not only physical, but well, obvious psychological issues. But he lived uh, on a lot of different drugs because he had a lot of different problems with the mind and the body. Yeah, because so, yeah. obviously he was not in balance with himself and he was fighting something because uh, he turned out that warped is that he was he lost. Yeah, what's very weird is you take, there's other, like Jim Jones, for instance, you know, Jim Jones is a general, you know, from the People's Temple cult. Jim Jones is a dude that late, later in life, it was it was discovered that um, he was a gigantic drug addict and that the decisions that were really made were kind of made behind the scenes and he, he just became the face of it. That's what I speculate. I don't know for sure. I watched a good documentary on that, and uh, they said that they said what it was. They said that realistically, what it was was the fact that it was him and his wife, and the wife was so just hated everything because he Jim Jones was being a dickhead, sleeping with everybody right in front of her, you know, treat her like garbage, you know, not respecting her. That what happened is when he eventually just ascended into fucking drug addict world that he you he yeah he couldn't do anything for himself but the actual calls were coming from the wife of all these things to happen because the the ship just went so haywire that it was just sinking sinking ship and her life she was angry because like you know you got a husband 
out there having sex with everybody in front of you, like, and you're, 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 you're supposedly you are the, this high ranking wife of Jim Jones. So you, you think people would respect you, but you're more of a mockery now because like you're, this is just being done in front of you. So he'd do that. And from what I hear is I heard a lot of like the, the higher up women, and that's not to say anything against women, of course, but I heard a lot of the higher up women that were making decisions, uh, were like making some of those big decisions, when it came to things like, you know, everybody's saying sayonara, but that's just speculation. But drugs always play a weird thing into it. And with that being said, I almost wonder if Adolf was a dude that was such, in the end, in the end, was such a drug addict that he was literally a pulse and other people made the decision for him and used his face as the evil bad guy, the evil boogeyman, if you will. And then they killed him. Very Jim Jones-like. Uh, he, he went out very Jim Jones-like, if you think about it. So, what's your take? Well, as far as Adolf goes, um, there was some genuine evil there. Yeah. And uh, he succumbed to it. And he carried, I think a lot of it was his fault. Mm-hmm. He tended to uh, alienate a lot of people. And also, one thing which a lot of, a lot of people don't realize, those people close to him. Mm-hmm. Each one of them, before they got to his inner circle, he gave them something to do. And that might be, let's say, was a political opponent of his. Yeah. Well, it might be to kill that person. And he'd give someone else something to do. So his entire inner circle, he had something on all of them. Yeah. So he controlled them through fear, through blackmail, through a variety of things. A variety of things that way for them to switch it and go back at him i'm not surprised but i think that all of them there was a collection there of very dark souls that uh came together and right now somewhere out in the universe they are experiencing their uh karmic kickback their justice it's yeah it, to go back to the thing that you said about maybe him being reincarnated into that it's a weird vibe because like like, even though he was a drug addict and he was a very evil dude, I'm sure that he enjoyed his life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was he was on all those drugs for pain, for the pains and stuff and his mental health. But I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, it was, you know, it was probably fun to be him within that world. You know what I mean? And I'm not trying to glamorize anything. And what he did was terrible. But in that world, he was like the king of that world. And whenever you're the king of any world, you're going to... Life ain't going to be horrible, you know what I mean? So, like, coming, be, be, being reincarnated into that isn't exactly really a, a harsh punishment, especially, I guess, if the, if the brain, if the brain was in, in tune with, like, um, like the reincarnated, per, if the reincarnated person actually felt this way and thought that what Hitler was doing was, a, like, a good thing, then it probably wouldn't be tortured by it. And I could see the element of maybe it was, like, you know, they didn't want it to happen, but they had to watch it happen, almost like they were sitting in the driver's seat with the car driving. But, like, still, like, I wonder what type of fucking, what type of horrible person do you need to be to have to be put into a situation of being behind the seat, <laughs> you know what I mean, with, with somebody else driving through, through a Hitler life, through the life of Hitler, you know what I mean? Like, you would have to be, we talking about the devil, the devil being reincarnated? Like, it would have to be hard times. Probably the most hated person of all time. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody else. There's more probably, 
there's more people out there that are just as despicable, maybe even worse, maybe, I don't know. But I think, but he's definitely got the title for the most hated person of all time. And he, he deserves it, you know what I mean? But it's, uh, I don't know, that's a weird punishment, I feel, you know? Well, if you look at it another way, I know that in certain Christian groups, they believe that um, when you die, you're shown your life. Yeah. And now if you take the Tibetan Book of the Dead, when you die during the process, as your essence or soul rises up, um, you see what your true essence is, and then you are shown your life. So from a perspective, and it's a 49-day, I think it's a 49-day process that they pray over you. From that perspective, you see what the glory of death and the divine and enlightenment is, and then you are shown your life. Mm. And if you are attached to the things and will, are not willing to let them go, yeah. then you'll be reincarnated. Also, the karma aspect is com- imagine knowing how beautiful it is. Yeah. And then you turn around and are forced to look at every single miserable, mean, cruel thing you've ever done. At that point, that's that's torture. That's hell. Because now you, on the one hand, you know what the reality of the divine is beyond this world. And you're forced to work how you screwed it up every step of your life. Well, that's, that, that's, that, that's, that's, that's hell to me. That's my take on hell, too. I'd like to think that I influence Ray's take on hell a little bit. Yeah, but at that point, at that point there, when, you know, when you say I'm sorry, then, you know, uh, the divine slaps you in the face and says, okay, you really sorry? Go back and do it better this time. Yeah, no, yeah, I can, I can vibe with that. No, that makes sense. That, that, when you word it that way of the, oh, I'm sorry, I did what I did. Okay, here, go do it again. That's a little more viable with. It does go okay. against the belief of like the Christian belief of like uh, if you're bad you go to hell though. But then at, like in our previous episode with Ray Arnold who doesn't believe there's a hell, he just believes it was made up by the church. Then uh, that that would kind of vibe with that a little more. But then again, if there's no afterlife, it's like what are we all talking about here? If it's all black, what are we all talking about? You know what I mean? But not not only do you do you have to go back and do it right. Yeah. Where you spread where you spread hate, <coughs> you're gonna have to love people. Mm-hmm. Where where you uh, spread destruction and anger, and you ruined people, <coughs> you're not only gonna have to refrain from doing it, you're gonna have to go out there show compassion. You're gonna have to help people. You're gonna have to take it up a step, not just don't screw up. Everything you tore down, you're gonna have to build back up. Everything that you work. destroyed. You're going to have to build, even if it's in a different place. But when you see it happening, now it is your chance here to correct what you did in that other life by showing that love, that compassion, and building people up. Mm. And that's that's part of your ascension, digging down deep inside the soul to get rid of those past lives and the influences, get rid of those negative things that you did, and convert it into something positive in this life that you're doing for people. And for the world. Yeah. Um, Ascension uh, ascension fits into five categories. Um, The first one is the awakening of the mind. The realization of motivating profound changes in our lives. 
This awakening comes during a major epiphany, wherein the mind experiences an astonishing flash of enlightened perspective. So that's kind of, you know, this is like you, you, you coming to the epiphany of something, the major changes, you know what I mean, coming up. Um, number dose, two, awakening of a new personality. Uh, picture the kind of person you were five years ago. Are you still the same person? When the mind is awakened, it promotes self-acceptance and empowerment, which can result in the development of a new personality. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I've always assumed when I, you know, when I see somebody change too, too much, I always question, question that person a little bit. I've seen people flip complete, completely, you know what I mean? But, um, do people do say that, you know, if, if you're the same person you were five years ago, something's wrong. I've heard that before. You know what I mean? Don't change drastically. You don't know who the person is. But, yeah, it's more of that. I think uh, you, you, you kind of finding out that everybody is hard on themselves. Everybody has things they don't like about themselves. And everybody, I think, uh, prob- not everybody, but most people, I think, that realize they don't like things probably want to try and ro- start rolling the ball towards changing those things. And who's to say maybe five years is uh, estimated time of arrival on you know, changing something like that, you know, who's to say, you know, um, number three, awakening of spiritual energy, life force's energy, uh, is commonly referred to as QI pronounced CHI, which is chai, um, like in your potato chips and potatoes. Uh, if this is awakened, major changes can occur on the physical through the spiritual levels. Um, your chi, yeah, chi chai. I don't know why I said chi. I know, chi. I know, that's why I said chai. When I know chi, chi chi chai, chi chi. Um, cheer up, cheerio, cheery. Okay, so yeah, your chi, y'all, y'all, it's funny, like me, you hear people running around saying that without knowing what it is, you know what I mean? Very nice. Um, but yeah, life force is a uh, energy commonly referred to as chi, you know, that life force is, uh, your soul, right? You think your life force is your soul, or are we talking about two different things? Yeah, I think so too. It's one of those, uh, one of those vibes where uh, your life soul, your life energy here, is your chi to the chai. All right, you could have it in tea form. Uh, you could smoke it. You could pack it in your gums. You know what I mean. You can chew it up like bubble gum. You know what I mean. Um, but those are one of the things. But Ray, oh, we, yeah. You know, what was the question you were going to ask? Uh, my Ray, my question for Ray was, I think, um, what were we talking about here? Um, is the life force the soul? Yeah, is the soul and the chi your life force the, the same thing? Uh, okay. Let me. I got a comparison for you. All right. Cool. The life force is the energy of the soul. All right. Now, the way I'll explain that is that, um, and there was a, a theological movement that I liked a uh, long while ago. Yeah. It happened, it happened centuries ago. But, and I use that comparison as you have the soul and your chi, your life energy uh, that emanates from that soul. 
And what they used was that, you know, someone would say, and this, this goes very well to ascended masters as, as well, mm-hmm. is that, um, let's say the divine or God is the sun. Okay, there's this big, mysterious ball up there that, you know, no one's ever gotten inside of. They have theories about it and everything, but it's there. Mm-hmm. Now, it gives off energy. That energy allows us to live. Yeah. That energy heats the planet. That energy does a multitude of things. Now, when you're talking about whether an ascended master is God, no. And the comparison I'll use is that if you take a flower, it absorbs the energy of the sun. And it transforms itself. It grows. It blossoms. But the flower is not the sun. The flower absorbs and uses the energy from the sun. I'm with that. I'm digging on that. So that energy, that divine energy that lives within us and that the origin, and I call that um, essence, the divine spark, the soul, itself radiates an energy out. And that is, that is the, uh, what do you want to call it? The soul energy, the divine energy, but it get it, that energy radiates outward and it's the cultivation of that energy, the expanding of that energy, the taking the blinds down and the shadows around you, knocking them away to let that thing grow is what the ascending is all about. Yeah. I agree with that completely. Next up, I think number number four, the fourth in ascension uh, is the awakening of the soul. It is when the individual feels deeply aligned with his or her life purpose. It can be a brief or long term. Uh, During this awakening, the person increases virtuous qualities such as unconditional love, compassion, and forgiveness. You know what I mean? So, yeah, these are all things that, you know, compassion, unconditional love, forgiveness, these are all things that are, uh, you know, frequently brought up within this uh, transition. Um, like I said, it's more of a self, you know, it's more of like opening up yourself, you know, these are all these things you want to like get rid of, um, with, if you have it, you know, within you hold you down, you know what I mean? All these weird things, guilt, you know what I mean? Jealousy, you know what I mean? All, you know, all the, all these weird things that you kind of take, uh, kind of take yourself out of it. And it's very difficult. I know that's easier said than done. Um, that but uh i uh i appreciate it you know what i mean at the end maybe i'll read something that i always i i found i found uh if you remind me i'll read something that i found somewhere like a flea marker or something it's like a quote uh that whenever i get uh whenever i get worldly <laughs> i always read it to myself <laughs> whenever i let the worldly things get me down i usually read it and it's kind of an eye-opening experience for me um, but yeah, you know, major changes could occur, you know what I mean? Um, when just in general, you know, forgiveness, you know, people don't understand how heavy, you know, holding grudges and not forgiving people is. And you can, if somebody really does you wrong, you don't have to, you can forgive them and, and not forget, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you don't, you don't have to forget when you forgive, because if you forget that it's bound to happen again, but you can definitely, 
you know, DMX said something, rest in peace, DMX. DMX said something in an interview once where he's like, the, you know, trust a snake to be a snake and you'll be all right. Like if it, you know, trust it to bite you. And if you know that it's going to bite you, you'll never, it'll never disappoint you. You know what I mean? So just know what it is and just be able to be cautious around it. I think that's kind of along the same lines with, you know, um, the forgiveness deal, you know, you don't have hate and, and all this self-help stuff and compassion is like, you know, everybody knows what compassion is, but it, it's valuable to do it because you're seeing the flip side. You know what I mean? If you're going to see somebody starve a homeless dude on the street who's going, can I get a buck? And you're like, why don't you get a fucking job, buck? Why don't you get out of my face? You know, that's not compassionate. You got to understand the situation of maybe this dude lost everything and now we can't get a job because when he when when he gets that call back for the interview he don't got the cell phone to get it or if he's lucky enough to get into an interview fucking he's wearing trash bags instead of clothing you know what i mean so it's a difficult fucking thing for him so you got to be compassionate to like people other people's situations i think that a lot of this is just like stuff that makes what makes up like a good-hearted person that you're talking about that would get that choice at death to whether or not to be reincarnated or whatever. Like, I think those are the, the people, those people already practice these things. You know what I mean? What's your take? Well, if you go back to the snake thing, yeah. um, you, know, you know, the snake will bite you. Right. Now what compassion is, you don't have to kill the snake. Just avoid it. Amen, let, the sna- let the snake have its life. That's good. Yeah, it's true. Now, as far as judgment, and we all judge on multiple levels. If you take the homeless person right. and you've got $5 and they ask you for a buck and you look at that and you think, well, they're just going to buy booze. You have just judged them. They may or they may not. It is their choice. Mm-hmm. You don't know. So your generosity and non-judgment is giving them the $5. You're also giving them the opportunity to not get booze, to go to that job interview, to buy a tie, uh, you're giving them an opportunity there by not judging them. Yeah, so with yeah. the snake and the homeless, you have those two. What I did get out, like we were talking about, and this has a lot to do with uh, the ascending. There's something uh, called a Gnostic creed. And it goes, what makes us free is the knowledge of who we were, of what we have become, of what we were of wherein we are being thrown, of where to we are hastening, of what we have been freed, of what birth really is, and what rebirth really is. I'll, I'll, I'll send, send it out to you. Uh, I'll take a picture of it and uh, message it out to you. But it's kind of, you look at it and you go, i got to think about this for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that's not a one-shot thing. That's a deep one. i got to think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. We, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was going to say there's also an interesting, uh, thing here. Um, and if, if you're talking about changing the way you look, uh, at the world and you're talking about changing yourself, there's a simple daily prayer. Um, and this is not necessarily to a divinity. And uh, it goes, just for today, I'll give thanks for my many blessings. Just for today, I will not worry. Just for the day, I will not be angry. Just for the day, I will do my work honestly. Just for the day, I will be kind to my neighbor and every living thing. 
Very simple. It kind of covers it. I think that that's cool. I think everybody should have a little something, something that keep that, that 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 means um, that they could read in like a, a stressful time or whatever that kind of centers them. Uh, if, every, if, yeah. people did, if people did that or followed that simple prayer every day, imagine how nice the world would be. No, it would. It, it would. It, it, you know for sure. And uh, it's weird. You know, the peace on earth thing's a weird thing where I don't quite know if we'll ever fully have it. Uh, it's a great thought. Um, I think there's too much. There's too much for uh, powerful, not so nice people to lose by having peace on earth. So we'll never see it. That's my kind of take. Even though I'm in a brighter mood now, in my in my older age, I'm brighter. I still don't think that it's that bright that we'll see peace on earth. Um, but we can hope, right? Find your own peace on earth. It, it doesn't have to be global. It can be within your own heart, mind, and home. But find your own peace on earth. Um, the fifth one is total awakening. Enlightenment or total ego death is a gift of grace wherein all that remains is love, truth, and pure awareness. This state can arrive spontaneously or through years of spiritual discipline and study. So this is the total awakenings when you, is what it is. The total official wow, the doors opening and where you go. All right, we just we just crossed the the, the, the threshold here. You know what I mean? Where this is this is it. It's the fifth stage. What's your take on that fifth stage, Fred? Um, I agree with it. I think that that awareness um, is very hard to hold on to. The world interferes. Yeah. But I think that once you have it, you can return to it. It becomes a part of you, and it starts to change your life and how you live. Mm-hmm. When, you're aware, when you are aware that you are connected. Um, earlier on, I had said that we live in a universe that was created by a divine being. So the essence of that divine being is in all things. Yeah. And I say all things, not just people. So if we become aware of that, and not aware of as in just saying it. It's like getting that two by four off the back of the head awareness. <laughs> yeah. We're long, whoa, a deep thing where you see it in yourself and you start looking around. Then when you're dealing with another person, when you're dealing with that snake, mm. when, you do, when you're dealing with everything, you are now dealing with it from a different perspective because that is also a child of the creator that is also contains the essence of the creator of the divine in it. Everything does. So it changes the way you look at everything and knowing that how can you live an ego life or hurting people? If you're aware of it, you can't. So it changes you. Sure. We got, uh, I'm going to jump in real quick here. Uh, 22 ascended masters. You know what I mean? Um, kind of the, you know, we, we, we spoke on a few of them in the beginning, but, um, you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll tap in real quick and get a good vibe. First off, if I say, if, if I knowingly pronounce any of these wrong, Ray, feel free to correct me. Babaji, the deathless avatar. It is believed that Babaji reintroduced the ancient science of Kriya Yoga, a tool of enlightenment that got lost during the dark ages. His mission is to bring humanity closer to God and guide them to follow God's will. 
his he assists with breath work, yoga practice, simplifying simplifying one's life, detaching from materiality, protection from religious persecution, clear communication with God, overcoming or reducing addictions and cravings. Are you familiar with Babaji? Uh, no, I'm not. Baba Jai. I feel like it's probably Baba Jai. I get that vibe. Um, our, our, our pal Buddha made the list, of course. You know, Buddha, the enlightened or awakened one. Buddha lived both extremes of living as a rich prince and as a hermit. He proposed that the key to happiness was to live the middle way or moderation of all things. His teachings also explain that you can find happiness through inner peace. He promotes meditation as the main form of mental training. He assists with inner peace, world peace, joy, balance, and moderation in life, spiritual growth, compassion, tolerance, acceptance of life's difficulties, seeing the larger picture and journey of life, and, of course, understanding, which I believe is huge for them all. Oh, my goodness. The bad boy showed up to the party. I did not know the bad man was coming. Who gave the bad man the address? Number three. Uh, I'm blind. I thought it said devil. It said Davi. <laughs> so let's, let's, I apologize to Davi. Uh, the universal mother. Uh, the Hindu goddess who is believed to be the female energy of God. She can be quiet and nurturing, but can also be a fierce warrior. She protects uh, innumerable villages and blesses her devotees with fortune and success. Her most renowned victory uh, is the slaying of a buffalo demon. Um, are you familiar with a buffalo demon? That's different than a buffalo soldier from Bob Marley, right? Yes, very different. Okay, what is the buffalo demon? Are you, are you... I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. They had a Native American legend, but I'm sure it's very different. So uh, I'm assuming like a big buffalo that would probably attack people or something and or they'd see it and it would kill other animals and probably mean famine or something. They would they would equate it to uh, stomping out the, the crops or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, Diana. Very American sounding um, goddess of the hunt in moon. Diana is a symbol of purity and was prayed to by women who want to conceive and those who want an easy childbirth. Uh, she is said to have been tall and beautiful in appearance, often presenting herself as a young woman between the ages 12 and 19. She assists with breeding of animals, pregnancy and birthing, painless childbirth, twins or multiple births, connecting with elementals, uh, lesbian concerns, ability to maintain focus on purpose or desired outcome and the energy to go the distance. You know, the, the men like that one a lot, I heard. Um, they have long conversations with Diana on how to go the distance. Number five, El Moria, master of God's will. El Moria is based on an actual man named Radenbeer Singh son of the ruler of Kashmir in the 1840s. Um, he is considered one of the greatest saints of the church in his devotion to Jesus Christ. His teachings convey that without dedication to the will of God, you cannot be disciplined on any of the other rays. So without devotion to God, 
you can't you, you can't be devoted to anything else. You can't know anything else. So he's a very firm. He was a firm believer on my way, the highway type deal with with it, with, with his God. Uh, he assists with decision making, faith, holding steadfast to your beliefs, stability, groundedness, energy, and psychic protection. I feel like he came in very handy around some type of war time. You know what I mean? He'd be very valuable in the war, some type of war effort. Uh, you would want him on your side. That's what. That's the vibe I got from him right off the bat. Uh, Guinevere, goddess of love, relationships, fertility, and motherhood. Uh, Guinevere is the Celtic triple goddess, flower maiden, mother, and crone. She brings fertility to the earth, prosperity, and inspiration to mortals. Her name means white shadow. Um, she assists with finding and enhancing romantic love, woman's issues, releasing jealousy and desires for revenge, understanding the cycles of relationships, and the needs for balance. She needs her own podcast is what it sounds like. Number, number seven, our boy. Our boy that we know personally. Big fan of the show. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, Jeshua, Lord, Elohim, Savior. Um, Jesus is known as the one and only Son of God. He came to earth because of the unfathomable love of God for his creation. He lived a life in which he was tempted to sin like all other men, but he resisted the temptation of the flesh, overcame natural impulses, and lived a perfect life of obedience. Until we killed him. Until we hung him up on a cross and killed him, dude. Uh, he also goes by the name Hashem. Right, Ray? Uh, Hashem is really the name for God. Oh, all right. He, uh, is he uh, is the Elohim? Is that Jesus or is that God too? That's God also. All right. uh, the shortened Jewish one is Yeshua. It's actually longer than that. But uh, Yeshua is the uh, Jewish name. Okay, yeah, they had that up there. I just pronounced that one wrong. But, uh, yeah, Heshua. I like that. I like it. I think we should get back into the habit of using these older names for these people. I think it's it's hipper. The kids are doing it this, these days. Um, everybody knows about Jesus over here. Uh, clear communication with God. He's known for divine guidance and direction. Faith issues, forgiveness, revealing the beauty within, healing of all kinds, manifestation, and miracles. You have Kali, which is a black mother, most misunderstood goddess. Kali is often portrayed as a mysterious goddess of death and destruction, but she is actually a loving energy that helps free us of fear. Uh, I like her already. She only destroys that which could divert our divine mission or keep us in bondage, just like how a mother would take away dangerous items from her children. Now, the scary part of that is if it's bad, even you know, that makes me think like in the, in the world of like, even if it's bad people, like I don't like that friend. So they're gone type deal. You know what I mean? Like that vibe to it, which yeah, the, like, the, the hand of God type deal, which is very like first, you know, old and new Testament. It's, it's still God scary, man. He can be a scary dude to deal with and loving. That's the weird thing about that. But it's all, you know, she's uh, you know, 
she sounds like she'd be a little mixture of the good and bad as well. At least, you know, she helps us free us of the fear. You know what that means? It means she kills you. When you're dead, you don't worry about fear anymore. You know what I mean? That's what that That's like the catch 22 of that. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make you not afraid of uh, the water anymore, Ray. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to drown you in it. You'll be dead. You won't have to worry about water anymore. Uh, that's like the, the cold vibe I get from that. But I want to do deep digger into the Cali thing. That's interesting. A Cali. Um, she assists with determination, focus, motivation, direction, courage, protection, tenacity, finding light in the midst of the darkness. I, I'm digging this person, bringing sacredness to difficult challenges, compassion, forgiveness, and the ability to ascend. Kali is, uh, I'd, I'd like to be Kali's friend. Um, I bet she has enough money to invest in a Boombastic Films production as well. Um, number nine, Krishna, another famous one. Krishna, also known as the Divine One, in the Hindu Trinity, Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu are the three gods that oversee the life cycles on earth. Krishna is worshipped as the eighth incarnation of Vishnu. He is often portrayed as a romantic figure and a deliverer of joy and happiness. He assists with romantic love relationships, vegetarianism, gardening, purifying food, joy, and spiritual awakening. Krishna, sound, Krishna sounds like he showed up the second day they were giving out the good things for you to do. You know what I mean? He doesn't quite sound like he got the, uh, like they let him pick from the bag last is the vibe I'm getting on that one. Um, all respect, I guess, to the, to the Hindu believers out there, though. Um, our first guest, Deity, uh, Priyadi. Priyadi was, was uh, I believe, Hindu. Um, number 10, Quan Yin, she who hears prayers. A well-known master in Eastern uh, divinities, Quan Yin is a beautiful Chinese goddess of mercy, compassion, and protection. It is believed she answers every prayer sent her way. She holds such a deep love for humanity that after achieving enlightenment, she chose to remain in human form instead of ascending to Buddhahood, you know her answering every prayer. Per, is she's a she's a woman of the people? Is that her? That's her. Oh, I dig that. I, I you know, that's cool. Ray showing us a cool like see through purple clear statue that looks devastating um, of her, which is awesome. Quan Yin, and I said her name right. I think right. Yep, I support that. That always makes me feel good. Um. I dig it, you know, very cool. It is a very cool uh, vibe, you know what I mean, I, that we get with this. You know, she, she, she assists with clairvoyance, compassion, feminine grace, beauty, the um, power, kindness, gentleness, and sweetness towards self and others, receiving and giving love, musical abilities, protection for women and children, spiritual enlightenment and gifts, and staying centered in and amidst turmoil. You know, I'm with it. Next up, Kathumi, master psychologist and sponsor of youth. This sounds very like uh, like a guidance counselor already, like some science, like somebody that works at a college. <laughs> got, uh, Kathumi works at like uh, uh, you know, Mister Kathumi works at uh, you know my college. Kathumi's past lives include Saint Francis, uh, Pythagoras, 
He founded a mystery school in Greece and taught harmonious development of the body, mind, and spirit. If you find yourself distracted from your major goals, uh, Kathumi can help you maintain diligence. He'll help you organize your schedule in a balanced way. We should Maybe we should hire him. Uh, he assists with focus, dedication to life purpose, alchemy. Is an alchemy bad news? No. Um, it's what, magic or something, isn't it? Transform, well, on the crudest level that most people know, uh, the alchemists tried to transform base metals into gold. Yeah. The idea of alchemy is transforming a lesser thing into a greater thing. Interesting. Isn't that what we're all trying, you know, this is what this is all enlightenment, you know. Uh, problem solving, higher wisdom, conscious intention, patience, manifestation of unlikely or miraculous things, and is beneficial for investors and um, entrepreneurs, which is cool. I'm always down with that. Um, Lakshmi, the goddess of prosperity and good fortune. Uh, Lakshmi is believed to be so beautiful that all the gods wanted her as a wife. Her mission is to bring eternal happiness to earth. She helps humanity find meaningful careers that can bring handsome rewards and fulfillment. You know, what's your take on all these, these gods living almost like regular people? Like the fact that all these gods would want her as a wife is like a very regular people problem. You know what I mean? And every now and then you'll come into this weird realm when it talks about gods where they almost, you can, you can see them as regular people living. You know what I mean? You catching that vibe or what do you think? Well, what, what you're seeing is in a lot of ancient cultures, like, for instance, Athena was ancient Greece. Quan uh, Yin was China. Uh, and, and the different ones is you're seeing that at the time, the people identified the gods uh, very much as people and very much with the at, many of the attributes of people. Wouldn't... Yeah, but wouldn't making a wouldn't making a god jealous be ungodly like? And if you want, you know what I mean. Like if you wanting, you wanting, you know, to have something that you can't have, isn't that a, isn't that like in a weird? Isn't that like a crossing a weird line of some sort? Or if somebody else had her, and you didn't have her. That's I know that's you know coveting your neighbor's wife or whatever is a problem. Well, the, the concepts then in the cultures, the, um, they not only made the gods like people, they gave them the attributes of people. Yeah, I mean, you you take the ancient Greek gods. Uh, Zeus was coming down to Earth, despite the fact he had a wife, and he was fooling around with all different uh, people on Earth, and that's how we got different uh, Greek heroes like Hercules and and such. So that they eventually built up stories around their gods that gave them human attributes, and probably in an attempt to make them closer or easier to understand or bring them down to a human level. You ever do you think that those people were real, or do you think that that's just like someone that was powerful named Zeus that said, "Hey, uh, I, I, everybody, believe this is reality. Put this in all the books. Say that I can do this. Say that I can do that." And at the end of the day, that it was really just pe- regular people like you and me from way back in the day that created this big folklore about themselves based off of teachings from you know the Bible and religious uh, you know texts. Because as we all know. You know, Greek mythology and all, and, and all you know, the, the Bible and all, it all kind of tells the same type of story and rotations and stuff like that. You know what I mean? 
In many of those cultures, kings or emperors, whatever they may have been, uh, quite often declared themselves gods. Uh, yeah. the, ph- the pharaohs did. Mm-hmm. Uh, one big one out of Persia that actually fought the Greeks was Xerxes. Um, he considered himself a god. Um, and so afterwards, quite often legends based around them built up. The name may have been changed sometimes, but the legends went into their religious beliefs of the culture at the time. And they were built, they were built around real people. You know, what's your take? Like, like me, me, me and you right now, we, 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 we took our, 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 our legion of a, a billion mostly ghostly fans, right? And we said that me and you were the new kings and people need to worship us. And they actually started doing it. And we said, we're gods, we're gods, you know what I mean? And these people went to the extent of killing themselves to dedicate their lives to us. Where do you think that places us when we die? You think that makes us in an evil uh, enlightened place, or do you think that would would have to we would have to pay some ultimate price for you know tricking all these people into thinking that we were this? I think we'd have some nasty karma payback coming to us yeah. <laughs> for two reasons: one is anybody doing that would secondly, if you we probably have a little bit of an awareness. Uh, just by the conversations and the things we explore and do and study that uh, doing that is exactly the opposite of what should be done. Yeah, we wouldn't do it per se. I'm, I just might like as a human, as you know, like a, like a cult, what your take on cult leader, he, these people that these kings that will just say, hey, I'm this, you need to worship me. And like, where do you think those people, what happens with those people when they die? Um, I think that, uh, yeah, that they, they get the karma payback. Um, if you're talking about the easiest thing to, to do would be, let's say it was a Pharaoh mm. in Egypt, an early Pharaoh right. and one of the earlier dynasties. Okay. He dies. He's reincarnated. Mm-hmm. He's a slave building a pyramid. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. You you oh you think you're a god here. Try and build that thing. <laughs> and then he turns into Adolf Hitler. He's reincarnated as Adolf Hitler. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. To go to do a call back to earlier. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Yeah, I think no, I think there there is a karmic payback for that. There's a penalty be to be paid. I think that the closer you get to on your path and the more aware you get of divine love and that your awareness starts to open. If you abandon it and turn Mm -hmm. against that, I think that, uh, yeah, that's where you're going to experience what some people would call hell. Yeah, I agree. And that you don't get that reincarnation option button. Uh, go straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Or be a ghost. Or be, or be a ghost. Yeah, there could be the ghost still too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you you've seen with the divine how wonderful it is. You look back at the earth and everything you've done, and now you have to wander it, mm. restless, knowing that there's something better. You can't go back and fix it. It's the ultimate hell. You're trapped in between. It's true. It's true, man. 
Um, number 13, lucky number 13, Mary, Our Lady Guadalupe, uh, the Virgin Mary. Uh, Mary, the beloved mother, made her ascension more than 2,000 years ago prior to her life with Jesus. In that life, she made her ascension. She was a woman living in nomadic desert life. After failed attempts of finding a husband, she left her tribe to become a wanderer. She took shelter in a cave where she lived in solitude and prayer until her ascension. She then returned to give birth as the Virgin Mary, a holy vessel to carry in birth the Son of God. Never heard that element of it. I've never heard it go to her pre-story like that. You know what I mean? Uh, the prequel, if you will. I've never heard that of her being an ascended one, you know, an ascended master herself and almost, you know, you know, so living in solitude and prayer and prepping and almost like, you know what I mean? She definitely, it almost like she's playing a bigger part in this sense than I ever imagined. Because going back to, to even to the Sunday school, I believe the church teaches you she's just some... She might have had faith, but she was just almost a random person, right? That just kind of became a vessel. Isn't that the story? Uh, a little less random in that she was um, also the same family that, for instance, John the Baptist came from. Okay. And there, there are tie-ins to different uh, Jewish bloodlines in there. Yeah. So that, yeah, the person there that was the unknown so to speak yeah is the perfect example uh for someone who delivers or gives birth to the savior it's not a king a queen it's not an important person it's a humble person who gives birth to a savior who themselves are humble and show compassion and love and I think that if you're talking about um, ascension and if you're talking about um, goodness, then, yeah, that is really the perfect manifestation of it. Have you ever heard uh, this ascension theory with her? No. Yeah, this is the first I've heard of this, too. That kind of blew my wig back a little bit. Um, yeah, it's weird. It, you can, there could be a movie about that, actually. There should be a movie. There'll be a big movie coming up that soon. Of the, the prequel of uh, Mother Mary. Craziness. Um, her, she assists with adopting children, uh, issues related to children, support for those who help children, fertility, mercy, grace, compassion, faith, miracles, and healing of all kinds. I wonder that, that the, the relationship between Jesus and Mary is never really spoken about. You know what I mean? And I'm very interested in it because just about every, not everybody, but just about everybody, you know, has or does have a good relationship with their mom. You know what I mean? So it's like, I would love to hear that side of the story. And it's weird with Jesus where like, um, what is it? Up until after his birth, they don't, she doesn't jump back into the story until he's 33, right? That's how it goes. Yeah. She, she, she doesn't show up again until later on. Oh, her as well. Well, him, him and her, well, if there's no story, if the story, uh, if he's not in the story, she isn't there. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, I never read it, but I mean, yeah, I didn't, 
why do you did it, did it ever get into why there's no, nothing in between that time or like what actually happened? He just grew. Was that his enlightening period where he had to kind of figure himself out before he can ascend right there? What do you think with that? Some people think that it is that. And then also some people think that during that period of time, he went through and was exposed to a lot in the world. I mean, they were, the Jews were under Roman rule. It was a brutal rule, high taxes, lots of poverty. The difference would be, um, and I know, I forgot the name of the city, but there was one that was uh, several miles away that was built during a time of uh, when he was fairly young. And it's a pretty good bet that both he and his father had to work on building this opulent palace, palace and these Roman things while themselves living in poverty. Uh, they would have, he would have been exposed to a lot. He would have seen a lot before um, his own awakening, before his trip into, uh, into the desert to realize his true nature and who he was and be tempted by the devil. You think Jesus ascended or you think he was a reincarnation thing? I mean, a job of that significance would have to be, I don't you know, you think the, it's weird. You know, when you're going to think about it, it's like, is that something that they just give them one shot at? But you almost look at it like it wouldn't be a big deal what he did if he, if he had more than one shot. You know what I mean? Like the fact that if he was put on earth before, how it says that he had to choose a life of, 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 of not of ignoring the temptation like what if there was what if there was lifetimes where he didn't choose where he chose temptation and then man that's like a weird thing to wrap your head around too that he had to choose a path too and then him actually taking the right path and dying was the the the, the course that was chosen but he had to live multiple lives to get to that imagine wrap your head around that right well if you go by the standard teachings uh that would be a no that doesn't happen. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, it standard teachings wouldn't wouldn't say that, but there's a lot of things that would be kind of you know. We, we know some people that you know certain things were left out, as we know, like like the fat guy at the baseball game playing kickball. They were left out. You know what I mean? I'm well, not trying helps. to question anything crazy. I'm just I'm, I'm bringing up I'm, I'm tossing out ideas and questions. There's a lot that's left out. That's. Um... The Nicene Council, it was slightly after 300, uh, uh, let's see, CE, yeah, uh, when a bishop got, about two bishops got together and they reviewed all the writings. What they were trying to do at that time is you had a ton, I think, somewhere near 140 different writings, uh, 40 versions of a gospel alone. And, they were, and you had uh, also a lot of different religious uh, Christian groups, all with different variations on uh, what they believed. And they took all of that, threw most of it out, and made it four Gospels. Yeah. So that they had a consistent thing they could teach to the people, bring them all together the way they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first steps of becoming a major institution. And controlling people. Yeah. Whenever I can get my hands on and whenever I can find an old translation of one of the uh, alternative ones, I read them. Yeah. I read them to get a perspective of what the people were seeing and thinking at that time. Right. Outside of the mainstream. Right. 
good good man. That's how you should do. And I don't okay. deny anything. I don't deny Jesus and he died and all that. I just question what was what's been left out of the story. There's there's probably very interesting elements left out of the story, you know. Well, if you can come across it, there's the gospel of Mary Magdalene. That changes their relationship a lot. Yeah. You told you were talking about that a little bit, you know? There's a gospel of Thomas. That's a big one. As far as, uh, it's a lot of sayings, less of a description of a life. And then there's the gospel of Judas, which the, when they first came out with it, the church went crazy. Yeah. Because it's got a whole different theory behind Judas. Yeah, I remember you saying that, that he was in on it. Those, those are three very good ones to kind of open your eyes and make you think. You can believe what you want afterwards, but at least they will show you at the time what other people were thinking stories that they were passing on that they got from somewhere right and what they they were believing so you can com- kind of complete the picture yeah yeah i think that the, the whole story is not out there it'd be curious I'd, be, I'd love to hear the whole story um number 14 Malajadak, king of righteousness Oh, no, 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 no. Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Okay. All right, Melchizedek, king of righteousness. If Mary embodies the mother energy, then Melchizedek... Come again? Melchizedek. Then Melchizedek holds the complementary father energy. Uh, Joseph must not be happy about that. His mission is to bring the principles of the universal law to the oneness of all creation. He makes himself known through our dreams and meditations. Uh, his name means king of righteousness and is in the Bible. Genesis fourteen seventeen through 24 and Hebrews five ten through 7, 1. Interestingly, there is nothing of his birth or death mentioned in Genesis because he never died, uh, which is... Uh, his genealogical record, you know what I mean? Genesis is. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's interesting. It doesn't talk of his, his birth or death. And it, but, I mean, aren't there a lot of people that it kind of leaves out ber- the birth and death of? Not not everybody's <laughs> full stories go and get, get, get uh, talked about, right? Most of the uh, main characters in the Bible get the full story. Years, how long they lived, birth and death. Uh, Melchizedek greeted Abraham, and he foretold the coming of Jesus. Yeah. Um, he appears again in, in Hebrews, where they relate the story again. Uh, Melchizedek is, by some, considered the original priesthood before the Levites. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Okay. I'll, Melchizedek, there is a group out there call the order of Melchizedek hmm. which you must be go through different uh, initiations etc to join them and it is the bringer of righteousness and trying to bring wisdom into the world hmm. and if you go back about oh 12-15 years ago I went through the training I was initiated into the order of Melchizedek I like it. That's how you can pronounce it correctly. <laughs> That's it. Uh, you got me right there. I dig that. Yeah. And there are, they will use certain mantras. 
and one which you may like is um, it's not original to them is we meditate on the glory of that being who created this universe who is to be worshipped who is the remover of all sins and ignorance may he enlighten our intellect I like that it's very vague but I like it and keep it open I think they keep it open Yep, but it's uh yeah, that's how I that's how I know the name on that one. <laughs> See, you learn all different types of things here at Mostly Ghostly. Number f- next up, this is well, this is a go- this is a very interesting character right here. Merlin, the magician. Merlin is a great old sage wizard, a spiritual teacher and a f- psychic visionary who guided King Arthur during the fifth century. He assists individuals in reconnecting with what special spark of magic within their being and their heart center. He wants us to use our inner wisdom to manifest positive creations. He assists with alchemy, crystals, divine magic, prophecy, foresight, divination, uh, seeing through darkness, energy work, healing, shape-shifting, and time-warping. So he's, uh, I would love to have him on as a guest. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah. Merlin was a cool, what do you know about the Merlin man over there? Uh, not too much. Just the Arthurian legend. That's all. Now, is he an evil character because of his ma- magic vibe he has going with him? Or is he kind of uh, a positive thing? What's his, uh, you know, as far as, yeah. A split between positive and neutral, but he's not evil. Okay. That's good, though, because uh, I always assumed everybody that was tied up in magic was assumed to be an evil person. As far as, the you know, the church and such goes. Religion. You know. Um, you know, next up, we have Moses, another big, big, uh, big wig, big baller in, in, in this, uh, you know, ascended kings, the kings of the ascension. Um, we got Moses, Moses, the prophet. We know Moses as the prophet called upon by God to free the slaves and lead them out of Egypt and into the promised land. He was asked to deliver the 10 commandments to the Israelites. He encourages a positive outcome during diversity and awakens our leadership skills to step up into the divine plan laid for us. Uh, Moses was also part of, uh, let me see here. Ba ba boom 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 ding. He had the did Moses Moses was a part of the flooding, right? No, that was Noah. I know Noah did the ark, but wasn't Moses like a part? Yeah. I know, and obviously the ark was for the flooding, but wasn't I thought he was from that time too? No, uh, quite a different time, and he parted the uh, he parted the sea so they could get through. That's what it was, the sea. I remember the yeah. ocean thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you had, you had the water thing right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool beans. Yeah, I always think that's a great that that's a great visual um, in the Ten Commandments, the movie, the old movie. Um, but yeah, the yeah the old the, the, that 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 always that was one of those stories in the Bible that always stuck with me because I the things from the Bible that always stuck with me as a kid were the things that were kind of scary because I like the scary things and all that and so that's. St- you know, like revelations, so it was you know uh, stuck with me and such. But this, because I, I'm uh, t- horrified of tidal waves and the idea of the ocean parting, so people can walk through it 
And then when the people that they don't want to follow him get on it, him just going, and like that, annihilating them with waves. Uh, it was always a horrifying thought to me. So that stuck. That stuck out. Now, Moses was just a regular, he was a regular guy that was spoke to from God. Or did he have some type of like um, supernatural ability to him outside of, you know, being the spiritual stuff? Um, Moses was, well, he was rescued from the reeds. He was brought up by the Pharaoh. He left. Mm. Um, he encountered God, received the Ten Commandments. Yep. Uh, was commanded to go back and confront the Pharaoh. Uh, they went through all the, the Ten Plagues and then led the people out. Wandered in the desert for 40 years. Never entered the Promised Land himself. Um, what I like most about Moses is that if you read a lot of the old text, Moses went back and forth with God. Yeah. God would say, do this. And Moses would say, hey, look, I mean, obviously, he did, these are not the exact words. Right. But, but it's close. And, and oh, it's oh, kind right. of, look who you're asking. I can't do that. And then God would tell him to do this. And Moses is like, no, well, come on. Really? You're going to do it? You're going to try it? I can't do it. And there was the back and forth and the back and forth. Moses would just talk to God and God would say, do this. And Moses would say, you got the wrong guy. I can't do that. But he would, he would end up doing it anyways. God must have really liked him because it wasn't God like hardcore with other people where he'd say, do this. And they, they, they would question it and they just like it turned into salt or like annihilated or something. Uh, there's the hint of, depending upon which translation at the end of those, the, uh, the story there, are, the most common translation is that Moses did not die. Yeah. Um, he basically, uh, as a Jews went into Egypt, he kind of walked off with God. He was a faithful servant, a pain in the, you know what? He sounds like, uh, Moses sounds like God's brother-in-law or something. But he, when it when a push came to shove, he did what he was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. Then it was kind of like, oops, okay, you're God, you were right. Uh, and then the next time he'd say, "What again?" Was Moses the one that was they the found they found him in the basket floating in the river? Yep. Okay. All right. Cool beans. Yeah, he's he's in, yeah interesting, interesting character of the Bible. He's so important, but not that much talked about. Yeah, I, he, he's one of my favorites because he had that back and forth. Yeah, and he had he had a, he and it shows a personal relationship he had with God to be able to do that. Is Mo, is Moses the most like humanity? You think? I think so. Like, if you were to try, if you were to equate one person to be kind of resemble humanity, it'd probably be Moses. I, I would say it's. I would say it's Moses. Yeah. I'm, I'm with it. Uh, you know, he's he's assists with interacting and negotiating with authority figures, clear communication with God, courage, faith, leadership, stability, and miracle working. Um, now, was he a man? Did he didn't perform miracles? Did he or did he? Well, I'd say if you call uh, talking to God a miracle. Uh, besides talking to God, parting the sea, closing it when they had no water, <laughs> tapping the rock and the uh, water came out of a stone. He got water from a stone. Um, yeah, I'll give it to him for the. I'll give it to him for the ocean thing. I yeah. forgot about that for a second. I'll give it to him for that. That's a miraculous thing. 
but is it but then again is every mirror is, is every miraculous thing just god working through somebody and they don't actually have the power what do you think god gives works through them giving them giving them the power and working through them yeah. it's not uh, it's uh kind of an interesting relationship there how that power or energy flows it's true uh, next up, we have St. Francis, St. Francis of Assisi, Francis Bernadone. Uh, St. Francis is well known for his connection to nature, his care for animals, and his compassion for all. He was born into a rich family and served as a soldier as a young adult, during which time he was imprisoned. Uh, when he was in jail, he received an epiphany. He heard Jesus tell him to put aside his worldly life. So I assume that he did. Yes. Did he become Pope? Uh, he founded the Franciscan Order. Okay. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, a lot of the, it's a, you know, he had, it's almost like he had to get, you know, he growing up rich, he had to get drunk, drug through the mud to get back down to regular people level. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so that to, to get through the deal, you know, put aside his worldly life. So he's probably gallivanting around there with women and, and soldiers out there running amok, doing terrible things. It's like, you know, casualties of war with Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox. So he assists with animal communication and hailing, you know. So was he a little Dr. Doolittle of his time? The communication? Uh, usually when you see pictures of him, he's out in nature and the animals are all gathered around and he's like uh, petting them and in some ways, St. Francis of Assisi, Assisi um, he parallels in some ways Buddha. Buddha was a prince when he was young yeah. and left all that and sought enlightenment. And also Buddha includes that respect and compassion be shown towards all life forms, right. not just humans. Uh, St. Francis is, the, is pretty much the same thing, privileged or crazy beginning leaves it and there is a connection with all things including the animals so that there is somewhat some parallels in there yeah and again it's more of that um every walk of life type deal you know there's a lot of that in there you know people come back and they got to do the redo it or get the multiple walks of life to get to see how everybody lives before they can get enlightened you know, he started off strong already, be it in, within the same life, be able to see both that flip, uh, which I think is very true to real life and to this day. You know, I've always found people that have been through harder times on the come up are like, you know, more interesting to a degree. You know what I mean? Almost they make, not to say other people are bad, but it's almost, they almost make better, you know, better people for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? People that have seen some, some traumatic stuff, it makes them more well-rounded, whereas in people that are kind of, almost sheltered, I guess, to use for like, uh, for lack of a better word, you know, you know, they're not quite as well-rounded. So like, if they happen to, you put both of those people in the same situation or something <gasps> shocking or completely traumatic, the one that has never dealt with it will probably take it a lot worse as opposed to the person who's kind of, you know, not as, uh, not as, um, hello, doctor's my old friend, you know what I mean? They're not going to be destroyed over it. All right. Next up, St. Germain. The Count of St. Germain, the Wonderman of Europe. 
Saint Germain is a master alchemist of the sacred fire. He sounds like fun. He bears the gift of the violet flame of freedom for world transmutation. He was a multi-talented man, master of numerous languages, uh, a painter, and a psychic. His forte is burning off and rekindling all of the hinders, the full expression of the soul in deliberating light. He assists with alchemy, comfortably interacting with authority figures and influential people, uh, courage, direction, life purpose, miraculous manifestations, perseverance, psychic protection, uh, additions, and space clearing. Saint Germain sounds like the like the face. He sounds like the face of the organization. He goes out there, takes the pictures, rubs elbows with the celebrities, and gets the checks to bring back for the investments. Actually, Saint Germain and the Violet Flame of Saint Germain, different prayers to him. It's very popular among psychics and mediums because if you yeah. notice what you just read, and also his having psychic abilities. That's who they invoke for protection quite often. Hmm. Yeah, it would make sense. You know what I mean? You think these people would fake fake these things to become more important? Of course, right? But they'd have to... Like, you could fake... Like, if you were to say you were psychic or to have these abilities, you could probably fake that to a degree. You would eventually... If you were lucky a few times, you could probably... You you know what I mean? You could... uh... But most of the serious ones do uh, use uh, prayers to St. Germain because they know that there's nasty stuff out there also. Yeah. You know, like back in the day in the medieval times and such where you would have like people that would be magicians and such, I feel like all you, the superstitions of these kings, you just have to be right a few times and they would never get rid of you. You know what I mean? They would always just have you there. So when they had a battle or they had a question, they could come to you and get advice. And you could mainly just give them advice, pass off advice as futuristic tellings. You know what I mean? Uh, If you're good with your words. (coughs) Well, something like Nostradamus. Everybody's trying to interpret his poems. And they were poems and vague enough so you can put different meanings into them. And you would want to do that if you were a king because if you got something major wrong, then, and you were working for a king, the usual outcome is you were executed. Yeah. So you stayed kind of vague if you even wanted to put yourself in that position. Yeah, true. That's true. Yeah. Next up we have St. Therese, the little flower of Jesus. It is said that when St. Therese hears a prayer, she will let you see or smell roses. For that reason, she's the patron saint of Floris. She was a Roman Catholic nun and a missionary who founded the Missionaries of Charity. She received the Nobel Peace Prize for her work with the poor and was uh, canonized in 2016. Interesting. So she's more modern. Yeah, otherwise known as Mother Teresa. Oh, is that Mother Teresa? That's her. Yeah, but I was—I thought it was Therese, and it, it was Therese. It, it ain't no Teresa. It's Therese. So I went. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to overstep. But uh, yeah, my good old mother Teresa. Um, you know, she's gardening. You know, she got her like a Cub Scout badge, gardening, creating a sacred space, healing all forms of illness or injury, transformation, 
um, travel pilot and airline cruise. I don't know what that is. Uh, in spiritual counseling. So what can you do? Uh, Serapis, number 21. Serapis Bay, Egyptian god of the underworld, facing your inner darkness. Are you familiar with this? Yes. Did I say that right? Serapis Bay? I think so. That's one of those I could never say. That's a weird one. This one sounds like another one that had dark energy within this. Um, Serapis Bay is a beloved master that disciplines us in the initiations of the ascension. He helps people work towards spiritual enlightenment. He motivates people towards physical fitness and healthy, uh, healthful lifestyles. He is like a spiritual fitness guru who lovingly demands the best from us. That's kind of weird. That's, I don't know how to take that. You know what I mean? Um, I, you know, because when I think of these people, I think of like the most brutal drill sergeant of all, of all time. You know what I mean? I don't feel like them telling you to change things in a loving way. In the same way that was like, well, I make you, you're not afraid anymore because you're dead. I feel like this is one of those things where it's like, you, you starve, you're, 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 you're going to starve until you're the weight I want you to be. Here's a, go sit in this fucking two by four box for the next fucking eight months. Go. That's how he talks, you know, I would never talk that way. So, uh, what's your take on this guy? Uh, I know personally spirit guides can be tough, uh, taskmasters, much yeah, like yeah. a drill sergeant. And he fits into that same category. That's weird. You think what he comes into your life if you can't make you you don't have the willpower to put out do a call like that yourself that this thing in, in, invokes your body it almost possesses you to like do whatever you need to do to get where you need to be. Well, I wouldn't say possesses you, but pushes you. Yeah, brings up those things that you're trying to avoid, so you're forced to face them. Yeah, and get rid of those dark that dark history you have and those dark feelings you have but in a more forceful way. Yeah. And we have uh, one more. We have, last and last but not least, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Yogananda, uh, Parmenasian Yogananda, introduced the Western world to the practice of Kriya Yoga, which was brought up earlier, uh, meditation and chanting. In his previous life in Atlantis, um, this is underwater Atlantis, I'm assuming, supposedly, mm-hmm. yep. Lost, Lost City, it is believed that he worked with those who were struggling with self-love. Uh, he helps unite uh, and inter- integrate cultures, motivating people to understand spirituality from both the East and the West. Like I said, there's a lot of self-helpy psychologist type vibes to a lot of these things, you know what I mean? Almost like the enlightened or the more spiritually enlightened, the people that almost like a psychologist in a way where they know enough emotions of people and the way people think enough to be able to, you know, kind of ride a line. You know what I mean? What's your take on, do you know, you, Yogananda, are you familiar? No. He's, uh, yeah. Yeah. The East and the West. He's doing it. He's bringing the East and the West back together which is always good um yeah you know like i said i think a lot of these a lot of this stuff's like self-helpy you know what i mean there's a lot of self-help stuff within it um 
Is there anything else you wanted to say for self-helpy? Uh, no, I know that for clothes, I got an invocation that I'd like to share with people. Okay, cool. And then I have a, I, I pull, I grabbed my little saying thing. I'm going to do it too. So you, you do yours and then I'll do mine and we'll wrap up the show. Okay. This is from a book called Ponder on This by, uh, Alice Bailey. And, uh, it's called The Great Invocation. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth in the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Very nice. I dig on that. I dig on that. Wise words, wise words. And mine is uh, like this. It goes a little something like this. Uh, Go placidly amid the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence as far as possible without surrender be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even the dull and ignorant. They too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself, especially do not feign affection, neither be cynical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly uh, the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Uh, nurture strength of the spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do, not, but do not distress yourself with imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have the right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is an unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be careful. Strive to be happy. So I like to read that whenever I get down and out. 
I, that that kind of like gives me a little boost because usually within that mixture, there'll be something that'll kind of touch base and I'll, uh, I'll feel ba- better by the end of it. Um, we got a few tips to connect uh, with the sending masters. We should probably pop into that real quick before we wrap up, wrap up. We probably should have done this before we did the big hookah, muka dookah, dookie and got everybody all inspired and getting ready to run out of their house and do what they need to do. But we'll touch base real quick. Um, so some tips that they have to connect with the ascend- ascended masters would be to find a quiet place. It feels clear and sacred to you. Uh, this can be, you know, uh, physical and mental things, of course. Now, safely light a candle, burn incense, or use vibrational tools, whatever you prefer. Um, take a number of deep breaths and say an affirmative prayer or an intention to connect with specific master. So it's like a me- meditation thing, which is always, you know, meditation is within most um, things. Call on the master you feel most connected with. Um, by thinking about that particular master, then focus on that thought and reflect silently. Additionally, you can uh, tone, which is you can make sounds or a hum. You can write what comes to you without thinking in a journal. Uh, that's called automatic writing. Or listen to sounds, um, colors, geometric shapes, images, or visions. Guidance comes in many forms. Uh, You may ask for direct guidance regarding any issues in your life. And remember at the end to thank all the beings who provided guidance. Now, you know, when we talk about opening up portals and stuff, Ray, do you think this is the same vibe? I mean, I'm reading that. I almost feel like you need some type of protection, even with something like this. What's your take on that? Well, usually what happens is when you're doing an invocation or you're opening this type of portal to a higher form, to a master, that pretty much eliminates anything evil for wanting to be around. Okay. It's, it's, the, VI, it's, it's the VIP, like, elevator section? It's, it's, <laughs> it's only going to the place you want to go to. It's not making any stops in the unsavory floors. Yep, non-stop to the penthouse. That's good. That's good to know, at least. So, yeah, I, I thought it was cool to kind of touch base on that a little. Is there anything else that you kind of want to, you think people should know if they're going to, uh, you know, make an attempt to talk to some one of these people, or one of these entities, these masters? I think that you should have an open mind, realize that these beings, these masters are there to help you. They've been human. They've walked the earth. They know that there are troubles, there are problems. They, everything that you are fighting and you are going through, they not only went through, they overcame. Let them help you. Yeah. Let them guide you. And let them uh, lead the way and so that you can ascend. You can grasp onto that light and you yourself can join them. There are... Um, well, maybe Shambhala and Temple of Masters is something for another time. This is running long. But uh, there are realities out there greater than us. And we have to be open to that. And we have to go there. And it will demand us to work on ourselves. But trust them. 
for they have your greater good and the greater good of mankind in their hearts. Amen. I'm with it. Well, we're just the, the diving board. We just try to be the diving board. Use us to catapult yourself into the great, uh, the great pool of knowledge out there and let us be the, the, the first step. And then if you want to find out more stuff, definitely go out there and do some research and pop it off. But yeah, that was a, this was good times. Covered a lot of stuff. Meaty, meaty, lengthy episode. You know what I mean? So as always, we had a pleasure entertaining you folks out there. Have a good, uh, have a good weekend. It's coming, and uh, me and Ray are gonna catch y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. But before we go, make sure to check out all our Facebook pages and our Boombastic Media YouTube page. And for anybody out there willing to spend some dimes and some quarters, some dollar bills, there's a Boombastic streaming Patreon page for anybody that wants to get down like that. But until next time, we'll catch all y'all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. (laughs) 